welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 188. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man with a plan, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. I don't know whether I can claim any more than just the plan, though, because today's topic is a man who puts things into action. Am I right? Uh Action would be an understatement, Mark. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I think that this guy is probably one of the most impressive moonshotters that we've that we've covered on the show. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And by the way, Mike, we we covered him nearly one hundred shows ago. But the amount of time that you and I occasionally reference back to this individual, I think it's about time that we start going deeper into some of the accomplishments he's done. Right. You're absolutely right. So um, let, let's rip at it. Let's get stuck in as only he would. So who are we studying today? Today, listeners, we are digging into David Goggins. David Goggins, I mean, we have covered him previously, Mike, a long, long time ago, but let's remind ourselves of some of the accomplishments he's done because it could take a lot of time He's an ultra marathon runner, ultra distance cyclist. He's a triathlete. He's a public speaker, as well as an author of his book, Can't Hurt Me. But Mikey's also just a little something on the side a retired <laughs> United States Navy SEAL, a former United States Air Force Air Control Party member, and he served in the Iraq War. I mean, this guy, he's done a lot, hasn't he? Uh, Mike, he is the only man on the planet that has qualified for all three special forces in the United States. Uh, He is often called the toughest man on the planet. And today we're going to study him and how he broke the world record for pull-ups. And to put this into a bit of context for you, before his transformation, David Goggins was a 300-pound dude who worked at a bug spraying company. He earned $1,000 a month, and he transformed himself, accomplished all the things that we just mentioned. But I just want everybody just to really get it into the zone here. He did, over the course of 12 hours, 4,030 pull-ups. Mark, can you imagine how your arms would be (laughs) feeling after 400 pull-ups? Can you imagine they'd be like bricks, right? They'd just go to rock. My my arms would go to bricks, my hands would be torn apart, but my mind would be completely ruined. And I would just be questioning, why am I doing this? What's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah. And I think what, what is amazing as we'll, we'll dig into today, Mike, is just how strong this guy is, not just physically, but mentally as well. And yes. he can force himself or encourage himself at least into taking on these enormous challenges as we've already covered. Cyclist, serving in three different um, types of, of, of uh, air forces and, and land forces. But he just keeps on coming back. Nothing can seemingly keep him down, can it? No. And the most inspiring thing about today's show is we're going to look at this attempt uh, that he did uh, for the world record of pull-ups. And then we're going to discover how he actually does 
this, how he does the remarkable or what he might even call the uncommon. We're going to dig right in and show you all the steps that he takes because if he was a overweight bug spraying dude and then became the toughest man on the planet, what it really demonstrates is we have this potential inside of us. Every single one of us have this. And the great thing is he is giving us the playbook to get this job done. Mark, where do you want to start this journey with Dave Goggins and the world record for pull-ups? I mean, I need to hear from David Goggins himself as to how he feels and looks and behaves like the toughest man on earth. Retired Navy SEAL David Goggins is described as the toughest man on the planet. Holding the pull-up record, 4,000 pull-ups in 17 hours. He's also an ultra-marathon runner with more than 60 races. Everybody thinks I'm Superman. I had to tell them the truth. I was not always this strong guy, you see. David Goggins is the only member of the U.S. Armed Forces to ever complete SEAL training. He beat the living hell out of me. U.S. Army Ranger School. I had stuff in my notebook, you know, we're going to kill you. And Air Force Tactical Air Controller Training. That's when the real war started for me. Athlete, speaker, soldier, and New York Times bestselling author, often referred to as the hardest motherfucker on planet Earth. Why is the truth so important? I'm about seven, eight years old, and I hear some ruckus outside my room as I'm getting ready to bed down for the night, and my dad is smacking the hell out of my mom, and knocks her. She falls down. He grabs her by her hair and drags her down the stairs by her hair, and so at this age, I'm sort of thinking, man, you know, what the f*** should I do, man? Like, you know, I'm scared, but then something in me saying, you got to go and do something. So I go on the stairs, and I jump on his back, and he beat the living hell out of me. And he beat me literally from my neck down to my ankles. The next morning, um, I was going to go to school half the day. My mom woke up, and she pulled the covers back. And when she saw how bruised I was, I'll never forget looking at her face. She was broke. Like, she was just broken. My mom got courage to finally leave him when I was about eight years old. We moved to a small town in Brazil, Indiana, and that's when the real war started for me. There was about maybe 10 black families at about 10,000 people in the town. And in 1995, the KKK marched in the 4th of July parade. So me being one of the few black kids in that, you know, in the area, you know, it, it kind of haunts you. I had stuff in my notebook, you know, we're going to kill you. They had that on my car, we're going to kill you. This is early 90s. And um, even though I showed it didn't hurt me, it was jacking me up. So all the insecurities I had when I was a kid with my father, it just got worse and worse and worse. And the shit haunted me. But I was doing nothing about it. And so my mom and I, she was gone working three jobs. We lived in a $7 a month place for a lot of the time. And um, she had a hard way to go. I kept everything from her pretty much. I felt like I was a man of the house. So I didn't want her to know anything about my life. I cheated all through school, copied from the fourth grade to, the, to, to my junior year in high school on every assignment. She got a letter in the mail from my high school. And I'm a junior in high school, and, she, and the letter says pretty much your son's going to flunk out. He's missed 25% of school. But she was always gone, so I didn't go to school. She read the letter to me. She put my bed, and I broke. I broke. I, I, I couldn't imagine going back through that again. And I started finding things that was comfortable. 
And the more things I found comfortable, the more uncomfortable my mind was. And um, I gained 125 pounds in that time frame. I went from 175 to almost 300. What a story. Like, I don't know where to begin. Like, if, <laughs> if you think you've done it tough, Mark, if I yeah. think I've done it tough, I mean, you hear his story. And the fact that he's even walking just mm. before he even attempted to break records, you hear that and you think, damn, then if he can do it, then I can surely do it, right? Well, I mean, what's interesting as we kick off this show on Goggins, uh, remember breaking the world record uh, for pull-ups, you're hearing from that first clip about uh, father, racism, he had to be man of the house when they moved, he cheated at school, which then led to him gaining weight. This is not the story or the beginning of a story that necessarily leads to a man who does all these record-breaking things that we described at the beginning of the show, Mike. You know, this is a a bit of a story of um, a guy struggling and maybe finding uh, the path of least resistance in the end, but instead he chose not to allow all of that foundation, that difficulty, those challenges that he had uh, growing up to then affect what he was going to go out and do in the rest of his life as, as he became an adult. And I think that's what's really, really interesting and attractive about digging into David Goggins, because he really is a man who goes out and decides what he wants to, to do. You know, he takes ownership and decides, right, what, how am I going to react to these certain situations? And I think that's really what we're going to learn from the rest of the show, right? I think uh, there is so much inside of this because what he really does is shows us how we can do it too. And I think it does. Mark, isn't that like at the very heart of why we do this show together is to find out how we can learn from people like David Goggins, how we can get inspiration, but also practical steps, habits that we can adopt to be the very best version of ourselves. I mean, this is what it's all about, right? It, this is exactly what we're we're trying to do as we learn out loud, right, Mike? There are so many things that we can learn from all of our moonshotter individuals. And a lot of them have these, these incredible stories. But what I think is really, really uh, fascinating as we delve into these, these individuals every week is actually gleaming from them. Okay, well, how can we be that little bit more resilient? How can we find that little bit more grit? How can we go out and be a little bit more maybe productive? And it does come into to habits from a physical mm-hmm. perspective, as well as ways of thinking, frameworks for your mindset. And I think Goggins, he sort of crosses the boundary over both, doesn't he? He's both a physical endurance athlete, but he's also equally a very strong minded individual who can teach us a lot about going into the basics of our own brains <laughs> and, and keeping them, keeping ourselves honest. Yeah. I, so I think as, as, as a quick warning to all of our listeners for the rest of the show, you might feel like working out after listening to the show. <laughs> Not all moonshot shows will give you this feeling, but this one certainly will. But I tell you who else is working out, Mark, that is all our members, right? Yeah. Our members, thank you so much for uh, joining us every single week and supporting the show. So as tradition dictates, let's, let me, uh, raise the bar. Let me get my biceps ready and let me lift up all of our members because we're doing a roll call for 
Bob and Niles, John and Terry, Niall, Marjoline, Ken and Dietmar, Tom and Marjan, Connor and Rodrigo, Yasmin, Lisa, Sid and Mr. Bonjour, Maria, Paul, Berg and Kalman, David, Joe, Crystal and Ivo, Christian, Hurricane Brain, Samuela, Kelly, Barbara and Bob, Andre, Matthew, Eric and Abby, Jose, Joshua, Chris and Kobe, Deborah, Gavin, Lasse, Tracy, Steve, Craig, Lauren and Javier. I mean, Mike, maybe I'm going to break the world <laughs> record for <laughs> reading out Patreon members at some point. <laughs> I think you definitely could at this rate. And a particular thank you uh, to all of those uh, members for their support because it's your support that helps us pay the bills. That's right. We put out a show every single week without fail. I think David Goggins would be proud, right, Mark? <laughs> yes, he would be proud because that's the that's us digging in deep. We exactly. want to go out and create uh, opportunities for all of us to learn from some of these individuals around the world, whether they're authors, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. uh, world record breakers, athletes. Mm-hmm. Because Mike, we can learn something from every single one of them, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, I have to remind you, Mike, that we did promise if we get just another five members, we will launch our brand new Moonshots merchandise. And it's looking pretty sexy, isn't it, Mark? It's already looking pretty good. We've had uh, a number of posts out across some of our channels and you, our listeners and members, have been giving us your honest feedback. And I think, Mike, we've got a pretty good, solid foundation that we'll launch the store with, including teas and other types of uh, merchandise. I personally can't wait to see David Goggins wearing the moonshots. Uh, there you go. On the next uh, marathon he's going to do. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I like this thinking. So we only need five more members and the merch is ready to go so you'll be able to get your moonshots tea we're really happy with how the uh the t-shirts are looking and some of the other accessories uh, they look fantastic can't wait to launch them but we need another five members and we really do ask you if you are enjoying the show all we ask is one cup of coffee that's all it costs per month and you can support our show become a member you also get access to the moonshots master series which is just insanely big deep dive once a month on some of our favorite themes and moonshots models all there for you to enjoy it only if you're a member but now i think it is time to keep the engine revving and to discover what the key to all of david goggins's success really is and he's going to reveal to us the secret weapon in your brain is the most powerful weapon i talk about that in one of these chapters Your brain is the most powerful weapon in the world. Once you put away your phones and your computers and all that shit we have nowadays, yeah, that's great. We're up to date, you know, but your brain is the only thing you have when you're going through depression, when when you're going through hard times, you're going through death, real life shit. You can't Google that shit, man. You're alone. You're alone. You may have a shrink you're going to. You may have a best friend you're going to. But there's 24 hours in a day where you're alone in this brain. And your brain is talking to you in all kinds of ways. And it wants to control you and pull you in these different pockets. If you can't control your own brain and your brain controls you, you're fucked. You got to tell your brain where you want to go and how you want to go and how you want to get there. You got to control it. If not, it's over. 
You have to control it, Mike. I mean, <laughs> again, in classic Goggins fashion, he's telling us, he's kind of doing our job for us. He's telling us what it is that we need to go and do. And in this clip, it reminds me how many times I've been tempted by my, my mind to seek out a path of, of less resistance or choose, you know, uh, that extra bag of crisps or whatever it might be. There's always something where it kind of feels like your mind is, is not necessarily working against you all the time, but it's seeking out maybe that little bit of comfort. And I think what Goggins is reminding us here and calling out is that unless you can train your mind, unless you can mm. remember that it's, it's kind of like a muscle. Mm. If you don't keep it, uh, if you don't keep it under control, if you don't restrict it. If you don't keep it trained, well, uh, uh, maneuverable, then it's going to fall. You're, you're probably going to fall into a pattern or a habit or a way of behavior that isn't necessarily the best way of, of doing things. Right. It, he was recalling mm. out here that it is a item that you need to work on much like, um, much like any muscle, right? And do you know what just blows me away is nobody taught me this. I kind of had mm -hmm. to discover this throughout life through, you know, I look at my first 20 years and the one muscle I wasn't working was my brain, you know, and mm -hmm. I think this is, cannot be, uh, it cannot be overstated how important this idea of like controlling, mastering your mind knowing that at a certain level, at a certain point in time, the thing that's going to make the real difference is your mindset. And Mark, mm. the way I relate to this is I, I look at a lot of elite sport on television and what's the one thing we talk about a lot is like, who's the clutch player? Who are the guys that in the heat of the moment stay cool, they make the shot, they make the play, whatever the sport is, they get it done and that's the difference for mm. greatness. Like the fact that we talked about it in the Michael Jordan show, he trained so much harder than everybody else that playing a game was actually at a lower level than the rate at which he trained. So it was easy for him to make the clutch shot. Think about the resilience and the strength of mind Oprah had to continue on her career after she got fired from being from supposedly being not good for television. Mm. Think about all the people that we have studied that have demonstrated to us that it was the power of the mind that took them from good to great. I mean, can you, I, I think the thing that stands out to me with Goggins and, and that particular clip there is you, don't necessarily only need to be the fittest person on the pitch. You know, Michael Jordan, for example, you need to have the strongest resilience mentally to keep on fighting when the other team starts winning or when the team aren't pulling together. You need to have the strength mentally to, to do that. You need to push yourself through that marathon or that, mm. that hard time that you might mm. be struggling with. and you know, again, going back to the idea of training so that you are ready for the game day mm. and actually it becomes easier because you've done all the training. You've got to have the mental uh, drive and resilience to even 
train that hard, don't you? Yes. You need to yes. have the mindset to say, right, I'm going to go out and be the most prepared person on the, on the playing field tonight. And I can only do that by forcing myself to go and do it by practicing, by training. Exactly. And it's all you know, and, in and, the mind. <laughs> it is all in the mind. And we talk about it often. The, the great analogy in your professional life is when you've really prepared well to give a talk and it just comes out naturally, effortlessly. You can, you can just enjoy it. There's a big distinction between excitement and ner- really nervous and, and anxious and the difference maker is preparation and preparation takes resilience. It takes mindset. And all of this comes to this next idea from David Gobbins, which is to be uncommon. I was not always this strong guy. You see, um, I went through a lot of hard times in my life to get here today. And um, a story I'll tell you with real quick. I tried once to get in the Air Force to be an Air Force pararescueman. And I quit for fear of the water. I was 175 pounds. I left the Air Force four years later at 300 pounds. I went from 175 to 300 pounds. There's a long story in there on how that came to be. But I sat around and read a book on the Medal of Honor. And those guys, all I wanted to be was an uncommon man. In my whole life, I was not that, much worse than that. But I read stories about men like you, Doc, who had the courage to jump on grenades and stuff like that. So I came home one day from working at a job called Ecolab where I sprayed for cockroaches. Made $1,000 a month, weighing 300 pounds. And I got home and I watched a show on Discovery Channel of guys carrying boats and logs, Navy SEAL training. I decided to make a change in my life. And I called the recruiter up and he asked me these questions. He had to, re- he had to meet a certain A, like a, like a certain height and weight limit. I was six foot one and 300 pounds. He laughed at me. Seven other recruiters laughed at me. One recruiter finally said, Come on in, I'm too busy to talk to you on the phone. He didn't know how much I weighed. I walked in the recruiter's office and he looked at me and he said, you're fat and you're black. I said, I want to be a Navy SEAL. I didn't know there'd only been 35 African-American Navy SEALs at that time in over 70 years. Um, he said, I basically had to lose 106 pounds in less than three months because of my age. I was getting too old. I came back three months later, 106 pounds lighter. I... Uh, Thank you. I mean, Mike, this again shows that just drive that he has, right? (laughs) I'm just visualizing. Exactly. That is a ton of weight. What is that in the, in in metrics? I'm going to say that's more than 50 kilograms, right? 106 pounds is 48 kilograms. So he was told to lose. Yeah. He was told to lose just shy of 50 kilograms in six months. So what does he do? He loses it in three. He comes back and he's lost it in three months. And what I think for me in that story stands out, Mike, is this drive from Goggins to 
be the uncommon man. So he sees these guys, these Navy SEALs on, on TV, carrying logs, swimming in the water, probably doing things that, that Goggins was, was afraid of. You know, he calls out being afraid of the water. Hmm. But he, he's got this drive to be uncommon. And what I like about this uh, call out and this story is how he was inspired by finding, let's call them um, inspirational individuals or to a lesser extent mentors that drove him to do this. He went mm. out and, and called up the recruitment office. He even drove down, turned up, even though he was, I mean, he had to lose 50 kilograms. So you can imagine how, how big he must have been, right? Yeah. And he still wanted to do it because he had seen these, these individuals. And for me, this is such a great story because um, it's reminding me of finding individuals in our lives, whether they are entrepreneurs, authors, or, or individuals like David Goggins who go out and be uncommon because then that That's can right. inspire us to go out and do the same. Absolutely. And I, I tell you, one of the most uncommon things you can do today, Mark, is to go in your podcast app on your phone, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and give us a rating or a review. What do you think? That's pretty uncommon. It is pretty uncommon, but I tell you what it happens. It really impresses me at how many people we can reach around the world when our listeners do leave a rating or a review. It works away uh, very uncommonly. It works away in the background, <laughs> figuring out all the algorithms, and it helps us spread the Moonshots uh, message, which is all around learning out loud together. So yeah. whatever you're doing, listeners and members, if you pop along into your uh, podcast app of choice, I was going to say Moonshots app of choice, but Mike, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to come back to the Moonshots app <laughs> soon. But you can leave us a rating review and it does spread this message, which is all about learning from these individuals that inspire us, Mike. Yeah. And, and listen, for those of you who are listening, we're 25 minutes into the show and if you're still with us, I reckon we've earned a little thumbs up, a little five stars, your thoughts, your rating, your review, because this would be just so helpful for us. So if you're sitting there, grab your phone, open it up, unlock it, just give us a thumbs up, a star, give us a review because we would be so grateful. It helps more people discover the show. The algos, they just love a good star. They even love, even better, a rating. So we'd really appreciate it. If you've got this far in the show, just give us a listen, uh, you know, give us a star, give us a thumbs up. We're desperate. We're really, really grateful for, for that contribution because it helps us so much. You know, we have now over 50,000 listeners and that's thanks to you giving us those thumbs up. And hopefully we can pay it back to you now because we're about to go super deep into the Goggins verse. That's right. I think one of the biggest single ideas that he has to offer, offer, offer us is we're out in the world doing our thing. Hardship comes our way and invariably we think, oh, we're maxed out. Uh, this is feeling really uncomfortable. I, I need to quit. I need to get away from this. It's too hard. You know, the reality is that most people are common. Most people are not uncommon. And the reason behind that is this 40% rule. So let's have a listen now to David Goggins explaining almost the science that he discovered behind how we can go further. 
So basically, the forty percent rule is, I am a strong believer that we quit. Because why? How the fuck does a two hundred ninety-seven pound cockroach guy right. who quit on everything is now considered the, one of the baddest men on the planet? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Mm-hmm. It means I had to change one thing: my mindset. Mm. So there's no way in hell that that was in, but that was that guy was in me. Mm-hmm. Well, that guy came down here and said, "Hey, right. guess what, man? You're a fat ass." <laughs> But I'm going to now make you a badass. <laughs> I'm going to miracle this shit mm. to be a badass. No, mm. it was in me. I had to believe to make that belief work. Mm. And through hard work, I did that. Mm. So the 40% rule is like we have a, like a car. Some cars have a governor on it. Mm-hmm. And when you get to like 92 miles an hour, that car will start doing this because it can't mm-hmm. go any faster. Mm-hmm. Those cars that don't have governors on like a, like a fast ass, whatever, Porsche, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fucking bury it. Gone. Mm-hmm. We have that ability, but we have put this governor on our minds. And you have to, the factory that put the governor on that car, the factory is now you Ooh. that put this shit on your fucking mind. You got to take that motherfucker off. Ooh. Until you take it off, you're going to constantly get to 92 miles an hour and do this. Because yeah. you ain't going to go faster. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you might even go slower. Mm-hmm. So basically, I started realizing this through my life, through going through all these times. This is a big takeaway and uh, lesson, Mike, that comes from his memoir, uh, Can't Hurt Me. And I think it's a really interesting visualization for me when I think about, uh, you know, how a card does have that, that limiter or, or governor, as, as Gorgans calls it, and how we then have it on our own mind. And the call out for him is it isn't necessarily imposed by uh, anything other than yourself. And I think that's really, really true. Whenever I've struggled with something, whenever I've looked at maybe quitting something, you've got to take a moment, take a pause, step back maybe from the decision, the emotional Mm. decision, uh, I'm stressed or uh, I'm not enjoying this or uh, I feel really uncomfortable, I'm afraid. If you can take a step back and think, okay, well, remove all of those emotions, remove all that, those mindsets. What is actually the situation? Okay, well, let me see what happens if I make this decision. That's what he's really calling out to us, isn't it? He's calling out to us, take a moment, take a breath, work on removing that governor, that limiter, and you can then go that much faster. You can be maybe that much happier, maybe that much more active. Yeah, isn't it just crazy to think that when you're at your limit, and you meet it for the first time and you're like, oh, this is it. Mm. What he's saying is, he's like, Mark, behind this is another 60%. Yes. The only thing you need to do, and I, it sounds like the only thing you need to do, but the only thing you need to do is to think differently about it. And it just mm. takes me back to, you know, folks like not only Michael Jordan, but even guys like Joe Rogan saying, you know, you need to get comfortable with discomfort. Uh, Yoko Willink's the same, just love the grind, love the hardship and you will get on the other side of the 40%. Oh my gosh. Why didn't somebody tell me this like 47 <laughs> years ago, Mark? Come on. I mean, you can imagine how valuable this mindset of Goggins was when he was attempting to break the world record of pull-ups. You know, yeah. as you've already said, Mike, he did over 4,000 and he did it in 12 hours. But the thing was, he had failed twice already. That's He'd right. He'd given it a go once 
And he got to, I think it was uh, maybe only 50% of that, maybe a thousand or 2000. Mm. And the bar was too wobbly and he was, uh, the lactic acid was building up in his body and he couldn't finish it. Then he came back a second time and he only could do a few hundred before his hands were starting to shred. And again, he walks away from it, but does not quit. He comes back stronger than ever for his third attempt. He is a perfect personification of this um, story, right? He is not finding that he's going to quit when he can't complete it after go number one. He realizes, okay, well, that's the 40%, right? Well, Mm. that's good news. It means I've got an untapped 60% that I can still push into. And slowly over time training, you know, he didn't do it the next day. He goes away and trains again for another two to three months between each of his attempts. Hmm. He gets stronger and stronger, both physically as well as mentally. And he takes off that governor in his mind and he's able to go that 60% deeper. And he does over 4,000 pull-ups. I mean, Mike, nobody ever taught me this either. (laughs) Yeah. So, so isn't this, I think where we really start to sort of decode how he does it and understanding that the build here is know that it's your mind, strive not to be common. Don't be somebody that gives up, you know, stay the course, know that when you meet your maker, whether it's you're working on a project, whether you're doing something athletic, whatever you're giving yourself to know that when you first meet that moment and go, oh, this is really hard. I can't keep this up for much longer. Whatever it is, waking up early, you know, writing code, it doesn't matter. When you meet that moment, if you can train your mind to say, wow, this is good. I'm pushing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm growing. I'm enjoying the fact that it's getting uncomfortable now because that tells me that I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm building a better me rather than, which is something I did for 20 years at the side of hard work and grind. I'm like, oh, geez, I have to do some work now. Oh, forget that. Mm. <laughs> Whenever mm. I met my maker and had those real moments of challenge, Mark, I don't know about you, but I was just one big chicken. Well, I, th- I think maybe there is a, a lesson that we get taught when we're, when we're growing up to find the path of least resistance, not only from a subconscious um, fight or flight scenario, but you're trying to find the most efficient way of doing things, aren't you? You're trying to uh, study uh, well. You're trying to do your exams in the best way possible. And maybe what that hap- what happens from there is you uh, start to uncover or see the things that you don't really enjoy. So therefore you avoid them. You think, well, well no, mm. I'm, I'm doing my exams. I've got to really focus on this. So I'll disregard things that are a distraction. And in doing so, maybe what you actually end up um, uh, training yourself is to find that, that path of least resistance, the well-trodden path that others are following, the common route. And what Goggins is, is inviting us here, well, in fact, he's not really inviting us, Mike, he's, he's calling us out. What he's calling us out to do is when you are either trying to do a world record pull-up uh, attempt, <laughs> or as we found out uh, during his book, Can't Hurt Me, when he was trying to race and he broke his feet, and he had to finish the race running on had, broken yeah. feet. 
Yeah, he had fractures in both feet. He had fractures in both feet, but he mm-hmm. still managed to dig in deep and persevere because he wanted to finish. He knew mm. where he would be happy with where he um, where he got to. He just wanted to finish it. And it's like, I suppose, anything in life. If you've got the drive to go out and finish it, then it's up to you to go out and do We can all quit, but the uncommon person finishes it, right? Mm. So let's talk a little bit about how we do the 40% rule and let's, let's talk about some of our practical experiences here. So one of the biggest uh, things that I discovered is, you know, once you start saying in my journey, when I was like, okay, I'm going to start being more mentally tough, more resilient, working harder and all of that sort of thing. I often uh, was victim or made the kind of rookie mistake, I guess, of, you know, you have a vision of, of the, the objective, uh, you have a vision of the success, um, and you're like, that's what I want to be, I'm working towards that. So that gives you a lot of energy. But one of the things I've discovered in all of my infinite wisdom, Mark, but being super practical here is that one of the mental approaches I take with mindset is to, I visualize the emotional end state with the success, but equally I envision, like I really envision myself not just reaching the exact, the, the, the objective, but I envision myself just doing the grind, the daily work. So let me give you an example. So crazily enough, just on the weekend, I ran my first marathon. Okay. Uh, Crazy hard. But one of the techniques that I used in the lead up to the marathon is not just envisioning me crossing that, uh, that finish line. That was part of it. But one of the things that's really important, if you want to break through this 40% mark and discover what's on the other side is to have, uh, and what I use is I was envisioning myself just getting in a rhythm and just grinding out 42 kilometers, just grinding Mm. it out, just doing the work and never stopping. And you know, what was really interesting, Mark, is there was never any doubt in my mind when I was running that I'd get the job done. Mm. The only thing that was up for grabs was, okay, what's my pace going to be? And I believe that what I've learned from this process, not only through running, but I've been applying it to my professional life as well, is that if you imagine yourself being comfortable with the discomfort, like my quads were really getting tight in the back half of the race, perhaps more tighter than I was expecting when I've done other long runs. I've not done 42 uh, Ks before, but I've done 35. And I was like, oh, geez, this is hurting more than the the 35. And, the, you know, I've been training a lot since the 35. So, But I was just like, I'm getting this done. And I was not consumed with that self-doubt, which is our greatest enemy. I was not going to let those little voices, which were definitely telling me, Mark, this is hurting. (laughs) Like this was really like I could hear it and I'm seeing people uh, in the marathon fall behind me. I'm seeing people uh, go over to the side of the road. I'm seeing people walking and I'm like, that is not me. 
right? <laughs> and that was because I was mentally ready for this, mm. that it was really, really hard. I'm working with a company at the moment that's raising money. And, and since the, the, the process started for raising money, uh, the whole stock market went crazy and, and sort of collapsed, venture capital collapse and all that sort of stuff. But we had said at the beginning of the process, we know this is going to be hard. We, we were talking a lot about stories of companies, you know, founders talking to like a hundred investors before they got their first investor. So it hasn't thrown us for a six, even though, you know, we were surprised at how bad the markets got recently. I think this is like a really key part of how to do the 40% is mm. to have a vision of your success and feel that emotion, which is very important, but also have a vision of yourself grinding it out. Because what I saw when people were pulling over to the side of the road is they weren't prepared to grind, right? Mm. They, they had probably dreamt, oh, wow, I'll do a marathon. And then they got to 30 kilometers, 31 32. Mm. And it just hurt too much. They didn't have the capacity to say, it's okay. I'm, I'm ready for this. I knew this was going to hurt and I'm ready for this. And I'm prepared to go through this. I want to get on the other side of the 40. To me, Mark, this is like really, really important. Actually celebrating before you do it, the hardship, like, yeah, this is good. This is such a good sign that I'm encountering hardship because that means I must be doing something super worthwhile. So my question for you, Mark, right? Like, what do you do? Like, if you want to get on the other side of that 40%, like, like, how do you do it? What are some of the techniques that you use? Mm, I mean, when I was a, when I was a kid, I definitely took negative criticism as a really bad thing. And I'd receive, uh, you know, on report cards or uh, whatever they were called, teacher, parent evenings. I might get some feedback from a, from a teacher. And I think, oh, well, that's a bit negative. So I'm not going to try anymore. It's obviously not for me. And the reason mm. why I was doing that was because, well, it's the path of least resistance. I don't want right. to hear that feedback. So I'll turn yep. away. Yep. And what I realized as I've got older, uh, also digging into all the innovators and entrepreneurs that we study on the Moonshot Show is like you say, to go and seek that out. So now when I am doing something that maybe I've never done before, or it's a topic or an area that I'm perhaps not so um, comfortable with, I'll make sure to raise a hand. I'll make sure to be uh, considerate with uh, receiving feedback. How can I improve? And I'll try and look at everything that I've got going on in my life as an opportunity to learn something, not only about a new topic, you know, uh, obviously today learning about David Goggins doing the, the world pull up, but I'll also be learning about my reaction to mm. things. And similar to you with, with the marathon, when I've done um, a race, like a, like a triathlon, instead of being, you know, that little bit nervous before the race and, and using that as a reason to maybe even wake up on the day and think, oh, I really don't want to do this. Am I right? Is my, is my, are my quads too tight? Maybe I shouldn't do it after all. Instead, similar to you actually, Mike, trying to visualize it and trying to think about it being fun. You know, I, mm. I, there's a times in my profession where I'll be really stressed. Maybe it's an important presentation or an important um, uh, critical feedback moment. Maybe it's a performance review, whatever it might be in, in my life. I will try and look at it and visualize it being quite a fun experience, something mm. to learn from. 
Let's see how I react. Let's see what I learn. Let's see what I hear. How have mm. I been over the past six, 12 months, whatever it might be. And visualizing it again, like you, uh, your example with the marathon, visualizing being uh, a fun experience to cross that, cross that finish line, right. then starts to change my body's reaction to the, um, the moments before it begins to the days yeah. or weeks prior. Yes. And then what I find when my body's feeling a little bit more comfortable, my mind is as well. And then I'll look forward to the event rather than be afraid of it. And similar to when I was a kid receiving negative feedback for maybe uh, an exam or an essay or a case study, whatever it might be, instead of thinking, oh, I don't want to hand this in because I'm going to get some negative feedback. If I could have rewired myself or gone back in time and taught myself, hey, you know what? Just hand it in, get that feedback, celebrate that feedback as quite a fun moment. Hmm. Suddenly, it becomes life becomes a little bit more enjoyable, doesn't it? It <laughs> it's certainly does. To to. Yeah, and, and so he, let me picture this, Matt. I, I think David Goggins is one of the greatest practitioners of a growth mindset. Now, mm-hmm. on episode one hundred and forty-five, we did a deep dive on uh, Carol Dweck, who is the author of Mindset, and pretty much she's the author and creator of this concept, the growth mindset. Satya Nadella, who's created this remarkable turnaround of Microsoft growth mindset. David Goggins, growth mindset. I mean, the the kind of core tenets behind somebody with a growth mindset means they persevere in the face of failure. They put in the effort to build new skills. They find inspiration in other success. They embrace challenge. They accept criticism. They have a desire to learn. They are continually building their abilities. And just to give you a little taste of what Mr. Goggins has been up to since breaking the world, the Guinness World Record for 24-hour pull-up, which was 2013, he has run just a few highlights. He ran Hellgate, (laughs) what a name for a race, the 100K, (laughs) the Music City Ultra 50K, he did a 50, the Zane Gray 50 miler. Oh, by the way, did I mention he came first in the, the 50K Ultra? Um, he came fifth in Hellgate. Uh, let's go up to, are you wait, Mark, wait, wait for this. The Infinitus 88K, he came first. Uh, let's go to the uh, Strolling Gym 40 miler. He came first. He did the Leadville 100 the Moab 240, the Across Florida 200. Oh, he came first in that. And wait for this. In 2021, just picking some highlights, he did the Nutchez Trace 444-mile bike race. One road, no stop signs, no turns, no driveways, no no. <laughs> It is one long race in the middle of nowhere, right across Oregon. And he did it. Oh, let's see. How did he do? Hmm. Second place. Uh, it's just, I don't know, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to get intimidated by David <laughs> Goggins. But at the same time, you know, I think the way that we can interpret all of these achievements and actions that he does. I mean, I'm kind of feeling a little bit pumped, Mike. I, I, I want to sign up for something and go and give it a go. Yes. I feel like that's what, that's the secret 
to to David Goggins, much like when he was watching those individuals uh, in the Navy SEALs on TV lifting and swimming, and he thought, right, I'm going to go and sign up. I think this is the call out that Goggins can do for us when he goes out mm. and breaks the world record for pull ups, or comes first or second in in these unbelievable athletic uh, uh, achievements. I think he's showing us if he is the uncommon guy in this situation, maybe we can be uncommon too. And I'm pretty inspired by his behavior to the extent where I think, okay, well, I want to work on my brain and my mindset a little bit more. I want to work on my body and become more athletic in that space because, you know, if Goggins can be the guy who comes from, oh, let's just check 297 uh, pounds, which equates to about 134 kilos. (laughs) <laughs> he can come back from that and and be this guy who achieves all of these uh, uh, record-breaking as well as athletic uh, highlights. Hmm. He, If he can do it, so can we, right? It's so true. And, you know, in that previous clip, we, we there's a line that we discovered, the 40% line. And on the other side of that, when we think we're hurting and there's no much, there's none left to give, there's actually 60% more. And once you realize this and you can embody this, you have this thing, this mindset where you realize that the pursuit of hardship and overcoming challenge is not only the pinnacle of a growth mindset, but it's how you discover it's how you become the best version of yourself. And then it sounds crazy and evil if you haven't tried it. But the craziest thing is what we're going to hear now is David talking about how suffering makes you grow up. Dude, I got choked out 10 years ago that I think about sometimes when I'm lifting. I'll be tired and I'll think about a guy who caught me 10 years ago. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, oh. I just, that's yeah. what's great about life, man. Yeah. Is I think about not being choked out, but I think about a lot of shit like that. Yeah, little I'm failures addic- that Yo, just keep you pushing. They grind on me like a motherfucker, man. And that's what you were talking about earlier, too. It's like the the, the, the mind has these reserves. Ooh. You can trick it and pull them out. Yes. These inspirational reserves like you did. When, when you when you guys were going through buds. Yes. We just found that trigger, and then all of a sudden you're throwing that boat in the air. The mind always has the tactical advantage over you. Why is that? It knows your fears. Yeah. It knows your insecurities. It, it knows where they're hiding. You can't hide. From can't hide mind. from that motherfucker, man. <laughs> that motherfucker has a tactical advantage on you, son. <laughs> it's going to get you, man. It's a beast. That might be your best lesson, right? That your mind... Your mind knows everything. You cannot hide from it. So don't ever try. Don't try. You might as well go ahead and beat that motherfucker up. Gotta keep going at it. That's also what you did in this book. You didn't try to like paint yourself in a glamorous or flattering way at any point in time. You were honest at every step of the way, which I think is just gigantic for people too, because you can tell when someone's stroking themselves or right. bullshitting themselves and the message just won't come through. Right. But this, you're, you come through in this book, you know, like you, who you are and what you became and how you became who you are and who you used to be and why you were the way you used to be. All that comes through. It's like, there's no filter. This is just your, your thoughts, like your, you, what you remember about your life and what you think about right now just all comes out onto the pages. Hardest thing I've done my entire life. I'm imagining. I have fucking, I don't know how many people are buy this book. Then the, I walk up to people, people walk up to me. I'm like, what are you thinking about, motherfucker? <laughs> are you thinking about me peeing in the bed? Nothing? <laughs> you fucking ass. 
What are you thinking about? Oh, that's hilarious. I know, right? Like you like. What are you thinking you, about, man? You opened it up all. Yeah, you know all about me. Wait, hey, how about you, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something about you. <laughs> that's what people love, right? When they know some shit about you, yeah. you don't know nothing about yeah, them. I that's, know nothing about nobody. That's anonymous trolls. That's it, man. And they, so, and they get at me. They come. Oh, there's a lot of those. But they're, they're all doing that to themselves. They don't even understand. When you do that, you're doing it to yourself. Right. If you are attacking someone because you know that they have a weakness, but you're pretending you don't mm-hmm. have one, you are attacking yourself. You are chipping away at your own personal sovereignty. You're, so you're true. You're chipping away at your own respect. So true, man. You can't respect yourself. No. You know you're a pussy. You're but talking shit. But that's what shit. happened, though, Joe, to yes. me. I start looking at people realizing... I know something about you <laughs> because they don't want to talk about it. Right. I already know it. Yeah. If you're talking shit about me. Yeah. I know you're fucked up. Yeah. That's why all these cats that come out right now who don't like me, or whatever. I'm like, really, man, that should happen 30 fucking years ago, 15 years ago. You still, you're still fucked up about that. Oh man. I know something about you, brother. See, yeah. I get over everything. I'm good. It's, it's water under the fucking bridge. The grind. It's the, 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 the grind, grind does that. It That's out. it. You're not grinding hard enough. If, if you're worried about something that someone did to you years ago, you're being a pussy to yourself, man. You're not getting out there and squeezing that fucking soul out every day. Yeah. If you grind hard, man, I ain't got time to worry about your monkey ass. I ain't, I ain't got time to worry about you, man. Because tomorrow, I got to go back to the grind. And tomorrow, I got to go back to the grind again and again and again and again. I don't have time to put you into the hate bank. There's no hate. It's all filtered out, man, through the grind. People don't get it. There's, there's great joy in the grind. Great joy in the suffer. It's, it totally cleanses your body out, man, of any kind of hate. It makes you grow up. It makes you grow up. <clears throat> I mean, Mike, what I'm hearing from, from Goggins here is the, uh, again, the onus on owning your weaknesses, understanding yes. that you've got to be difficult with yourself, but also what's quite fun towards the end of that clip, I'm getting a real vibe of Mark Manson, the subtle art of not giving a, mm. which we've covered on the show before, which is choosing and having the discipline to uh, uh, choose what you are upset about and what you care about in yes. order to move on. And that's a that's another big lesson from Goggins, isn't it? Yeah. And, and one of the things that he focused on a lot, um, when Goggins was talking to Joe Rogan there, he talks about the grind and this was something I avoided so much. I remember, uh, looking at, uh, some of the, the guys that I went to school with who had already learned to love the grind and they were doing amazing things. And, I just remember thinking they were crazy. I just didn't get it at all, Mark. I did not get it. I remember after one rugby training that was incredibly hard that a couple of guys went and did extra training after it. Mm. And I remember like, those guys are so stupid. But what Goggins is talking about is when you go and grind at your limit and you push through the 40%, you embrace the hardship, at the end of it, when you're complete, when you've done the job, like when you cross that finish line, you are so calm and so clear-headed and satisfied because you're, 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 you're completely, you've dotted the I, you've crossed the T, you're complete. Mm. You are 
done. There's no more energy. You know, in America, they have this saying, you've left it all out on the field. You come in and whatever the the result, you gave it everything and a little bit more, right? And that is one of the deepest, most satisfying moments. It's almost like like Zen. The yeah. the best way I can describe the weekend finishing the marathon is just going, wow, I've just been running for over four hours continuously. I'm done. I'm good. I push myself. I broke all those records that I had. I've never run 42 before. And yeah, I was so at peace, Mark. I was just done because I had to face the demons. The quads were hurting. The lactic acid had kicked in, but I just didn't stop. Didn't stop. And boy, does it feel, doesn't it feel good when you do that? Yeah, it really does. And to close us out, Mike, we've got one more clip from the legend that is David Goggins building exactly on what you were just saying there, which is getting yourself over the finish line, no matter what it takes. So let's hear from David Goggins. Closing out our show today, 188, with an idea about not giving up. People hear my story and think this guy is sadistic. I realized how the, how the brain works. I figured out how the brain works. I, I'm a scared kid, and that's what gives me so much power. I had no foundation, and I built this off of just researching the mind. The feeling you get is basically invincibility you realize that you can't do it all the time when you need to do it I know I can go to a place that I can live in and when you know that you can run on broken legs and you can do certain things that a lot of people can do but they're not willing to do this power this sympathetic nervous system of fight or flight and you're fighting it, it gives you this charge of energy of when you're sitting there at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and you're duct taping your feet up because they're broken and you're doing it by yourself and you're going through arguably one of the hardest training in the world. And these guys, most of them are healthy and you're going through it broken and you are at a disadvantage, but you're still there. You can feed into that and tap into that for a lot of power. But if you look at it, well, I'm broken, man. Like, I'm not going to make it. But if you look at it as, man, I'm broken and I'm still here. And I'm fighting and I'm going to find a way to get through this. Because I have no other place to go. It gives you a lot of power. When things start to suck really, really bad, my brain and a lot of people's brain, they, they don't go to your dad beating you up. Your brain says, we had to get the out of here. This is miserable. So anger goes away a lot of times when you're suffering because your brain just says, we got to run. We got to go. So that anger is not popping up saying, oh, I'm going to show them. I want to show those people. No, there has to be a much deeper. When I say deeper, it has to be down to mineral, mineral soil. It has to be down to that nice mineral soil where nothing can burn. You can't burn dirt. So it has to be down that low that literally is something in you that's at the core of your soul. And but you but you don't find it unless you spend a lot of time with what you want to be in life. You 
I, I can't give that to you. Right. You can't give it to somebody. When, when you find your true passion in life, and my passion for me when like, oh, I want to be now, I give a Navy SEALs, Army, I don't give a shit. I want to serve my country. I cared about, I want to be someone that I'm proud of. Hoo-ha. Like, I don't know that there's much more that we can say <laughs> after Goggins gets on one of his, uh, one of his uh, speeches. That's pretty incredible stuff. What a journey, Mark. Um, I mean, we've been talking about and studying David Goggins for, for years now. Is there something that has you've taken a fresh look at here? Is there something that's got you going, hmm, going to work on that? Yeah, I, th- I think the call out or the reminder about the 40% rule is a big, big thing when you think mm. that you're maxed out, whether you're tired or you've fed up with something, you've still got an untapped reserve. I think that's the, the key thing that's uh, being uh, revealed to me today, Mike, because that's yeah. the thing that pushed him to complete the world record as well as to go out and do his amazing achievements. What do you reckon standing out uh, to you again with Goggins? Um, I'm, you know, it's funny in the recent shows, we've been picking both the same takeout. So I definitely agree on the 40%. I think the other thing, um, that came to me during the show is how much I avoided suffering and challenge, Mm. um, in the earlier parts of my life, thinking it was just clinically insane. And then now I'm like, oh, it's the pursuit of suffering and challenge it, it is such an, uh, it's a growth mindset. It, it, it makes you better. Um, it is like, it's like the human muscle when it, when you do the weights in the gym and it hurts the next day, that's actually the muscle growing back bigger and stronger. And, uh, that's been really another huge takeout for me in this show. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. So good. Goggins, I'm, I'm going to go out and attempt the world record now for the best pull-up as well. <laughs> you are ready. Well, Mark, thank you to you and thank you to you both to our listeners and to our members. This was show 188 where we studied how David Goggins broke the world pull-up record and this journey started with a guy, Mr. Goggins, who was a bug sprayer, 296 pounds, and he went from that to the toughest man on earth. And what he taught us today is that your brain is the most powerful weapon that you have. So don't give in to adversity. Do not give in to challenge. Be uncommon because most people give up, but you don't have to. And just when you're pushing it and you encounter a barrier, when you encounter the line, know that You might only be at 40% of your potential and if you can break through, if you can get comfortable with discomfort, you can find that other 60% and break all your limits. And if you're breaking your limits, you are doing more than just working hard. You are growing because it is through challenge, adversity and suffering that we all grew up. And if you can take your mind with you, you have the unfair advantage against most other people on this planet and that is the power not to give up and that's how we do it here at the moonshots podcast that's a wrap